Welcome to a special episode of Property Corner, hosted by Tabo, Itumeleng and Cash. In the first installment of the year, the episode begins with a recap of 2020 and how the COVID-19 pandemic affected the property market. The hosts also share their thoughts and expectations on the year ahead. Are you guys ready? All good on my side, my go? All good to go. Perfecto. Welcome back to Property Corner. This is a special episode. Um, it doesn't count to any of our series. It's just going to be an episode about us catching up. I think we haven't recorded in a while, like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> so this time around, we actually have a solid plan. Um, and I think it would be actually very nice for us to kind of catch up before we can get to all the topics that we're going to be talking about going forward for the rest of the year. Um, gentlemen, how are you? Um, it's 2021, 30th, 31st January. Yeah. How are you? Is it's it been a while first? since we spoke. I'm good, and you, Miser? I'm all good, I'm all good. Yeah, I, I missed just, you guys, eh? Yeah, missed discussing. There's been a lot a lot's happened since we, we last spoke, obviously, the, the trickle-down effect of the pandemic, you know, mm. depending on just outside, besides property, just the work environment, the economy. Mm. fluctuations in the end, so you know it is there's been second like second wave the second wave and third it's wave <laughs> and I was also i think what's happened was the main thing was it's, it's unprecedented territory for everyone across the board mm. you know the lawmakers whatever policies they put in position mm. reserve bank with interest rates and even just employers if, i think everyone at any scale it was uncharted territory it was now just staying afloat we saw retrenchments people mm. lose their jobs and it, that also affects the market and then it also becomes a case of how does the government move and likewise how does it affect people within and everyone else, everyone else mm. property space yeah. investors yeah so it's it's been just topsy turvy you know but just happy to stay afloat yeah um but maybe before we get to to the meat of those um topics yeah. high level where are you guys um everybody safe in the families yeah yeah because i, like, I thank yeah. god yeah so far it's been crazy it's been crazy yeah. people have i think in an unfortunate space, by extension, we know, um, not in my family, but by extension through friends and colleagues, I know people have lost very close relatives, fathers, you know, people mm. in the family because of the pandemic, mm. you know, so I think it's just, just glad that I was had that corona in my personal capacity or mm. any issues, you know. Mm. So and I think it's also the other thing, you know, it's trying to just look after your mental health, you know, mm. because that affects everything, your mm. work, just your... Mm. I think I'm lucky that in terms of didn't have to do much of an adjustment. I've worked from home just FYI, like since May 2010. Mm. The firm, the the I'm in the recruitment space, so we've always we kind of my boss was ahead of the curve with that. Yeah. It was more out of necessity, you know, because at the time we just come off the the effects of the 08 recession, because mm. our biggest client base was within banking, insurance, and finance. So there's a lot of retrenchments, things went moving. So by extension, we decentralized, we worked from home. So. For us, the transition was more with our clients as opposed to us. We mm. were always mobilizing in a space where we could work from home, the virtual space. But I think once we got into end of latter stages of level five and people had acclimatized to working from home, especially clients, you know, things were, most things were put on hold because, mm. I mean, no, no one's doing much hiring. Correct. You know? yeah, it's just yeah. now the really essential mm. positions. And also with the uncertainty, the decision makers in any firm, you know, the people we dealt with were just telling us we're waiting for exco waiting for the big bosses to mm. approve right now everything we've just been told put on hold internal recruitment only and unless it's absolutely critical then we go outside the space so then mm. you, as a business you're not trying to stay afloat within that like because obviously your commitments don't go away mm. we saw there were you know the some of the reprieves your payment holidays mm. and all those things but it was always just to keep the momentum going because at some point those extensions by lenders or whoever the creditors were only going to last so long so that so on my side just overall last year there was a bit of a slump i think the slump kicked in or oddly enough it wasn't at the beginning it kicked in probably june to about august third quarter once people had now got the flow of working from home mm -hmm. and outside even just the recruitment nine to five i mean also my personal consulting within property and other things admin procurement stuff that i do it was now just the a flattening of people aren't really doing anything. They're unsure mm. whatever resources they have, they want to hold on to because everything mm. now was just, let's see what level on, let's see what the next announcement is. Mm. And then we make decisions based on that. So we also saw even the experts we normally rely on mm. within finance, within econ the economists, 
it was a lot of touch and go stuff because they were trying to base the little they could apply from because there was nothing historically that could be applied mm. to what happened with, with covid but how did how did the end how did the end uh, how did the year end rather oddly in enough of, yeah. in terms of yeah, that recruitment space oddly enough it's ended quite well so, so, sorry because <laughs> i just want to speak to to the fact that we saw we saw the country go to all-time high unemployment rates yes for us yes so it would be interesting to see how how it ended for you guys and how you kind of think it's picking up at the moment so what yeah, good that's actually a good point to bring up employment did unemployment definitely shot up because what did what happened as is always the case unfortunately is the your, your entry level to mid lower positions people at that level affected the most people on like you know pairs you go quote unquote time share those positions they unfortunately get the the x when these kind of things happen or is this retrenchments so there was an unemployment shot up as was expected but as you got towards the end of the year what we did see was there's a bit of a stabilizing in terms of recruitment not in just not across the board obviously mm. but it was it went it was in, it was improved from early in the year first two quarters where there's absolutely nothing going on mm. so for us we went from just staying afloat from the dry spells to actually having a good year and by mm. good i mean not placements or money come but it was good in terms of momentum picking up activity activity mm. and we're now mm. seeing some of the effects on that because traditionally q1 especially january is very mm. quiet mm. people are coming back from holidays mm. not much is going on the decision makers people still need to have their year the financial planning for the year to see what the year is going to look like then and then and only then will they know what the recruitment and the talent needs are but because obviously people are trying to juggle things differently the momentum definitely carried through not so it's better than your typical Q1 but obviously we you know we'd want it to be a bit higher but considering the year we had mm. it was it was, it's definitely a way better improvement because mm. now what that does even across all levels we're seeing even some of the bigger companies reaching out for the grad programs you know mm. we didn't think there was going to be much happening there because okay. also that's positive that's positive because what you always want for the economies so that already has a high count of unemployed graduates as Correct. in normal circumstances yeah. so i think the fear was now with the pandemic with covid wasn't really people weren't really too sure what that meant for people who are graduating already there yeah, their studies were disturbed you know with mm. what happened last year so a lot was touching so it's good to see some of the big corporates coming to the party and continuing at any level because at this stage it has to be anything is better than nothing you know because yeah. yeah. some of the i think some of the decisions that were made by decision makers even within uh, firms was i won't say knee jerk it was more of let's just stop wait and see which mm-hmm. is to be expected but there were some more prudent enough to say as best as we can like people said as opposed to just retrenching people can we not shift people around internally Mm. rather we give people mm. pay cuts salary cuts salary mm. cuts than so that you at least have an income than you losing your job completely All of it. yeah, yeah mm. so they did this we seeing some of that similar with the with the graduate recruitment but i think overall the year look the year was like most people does topsy turvy in my personal consulting space with what i do also with the recruitment side but monitoring how each level has been working what's good to see is as we ended the year is we got a, just a sense that a lot of the people are now adapting on the go you know i attended a lot of webinars listen a lot of people were like your money web and read articles what was then basically happening was people are now adapting on the fly what no normal rigid structures which need discussions which need board exco people to move th- people were forced to move quickly mm. it was almost an adapt or die because we saw in the retail sector unfortunately restaurants a lot of people a lot of those businesses went under mm. you see now mm. so for the bigger guys yes they've got a buffer they've got insurance but for them to be on the curb it, they they loosen quote unquote their their processes their decision structures you know because they had to move because also what happens is with the unprecedented nature of this pandemic every decision that was done slowly could have an adverse effect on the bottom line because a lot of stuff is you not sure it's hit and miss so even if you have reserves even if you're in a position where the business can go for a long time you you can't take too long with making the right especially with your people and your talent you see now so i think mm-hmm. that was that was the one positive at the end that people still start moving because it's also like like covid forced people to it accelerated how technology works for for the longest time there was a resistance to working virtually so you know we we basically as third or not third world, but as in africa and this subcontinent we caught up to how some things have been working abroad because other people with different times even in america in the same country but with different time zones the virtual meetings and that kind of things with technology they were kind of slightly ahead on the curve mm. but covid like accelerated that whole thing by a few yeah. years correct so yeah so mm. i think that was those are some of the positives because what that does this lastly in conclusion is 
it did open up. Uh, there were actually companies who strived because of they were online based or mm. they had mm. space to move, whether it be shopping or other. So though it was not really, it was un. Funny enough, it's not a it's not a massive number. Yeah. If yeah, the numbers weren't great, it's like still less than five percent of um, retail. Yeah, no, uh, retail. Online. Yeah, online retail is different across the board. I think it was more of like your IT. I was talking just holistically with just the mm. the use of technology and ad- the adapting of technology with, with with shopping definitely because with shopping, I think unfortunately there's still a the penetration and accessibility of data in terms of affordability, the gadgets and just mm. coverage is still quite low. Mm. You know, so even just also the trust factor. I mean, if you still have people who do their banking at, uh, at retail level, like at your PEP, your money transfers. So for someone like that to go from that then to be like a take a lot shopper overnight, that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even just like business preparation, because because I think, Maza, you can speak to, I, I think I want to ask you two questions. If you guys are taking any grads this year, that's one. Mm. Two, maybe you can also just chat about um because like, I think a lot of us would think switching into t- technology, working from home is easy. Up until you realize you need to have a server that's running 24-7. Mm-hmm. You need to have um, IT um, systems that are equipped to be able to handle that. Because that's something that we also saw. I mean, when load shedding happens, people do get impacted sometimes. Sure. When a small company isn't sort of geared for, for those type of things. So, so that, that curve was also not easy in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we actually saw... We saw a few offices actually returning to the offices early. Very early. You know, even if they were rotating like once or twice a week, um, type of thing. But but high level, what? How did you? How did you guys see it? You know, do, are you guys taking people this year? You know, in terms of grads or, or not really? Okay, I'll, <coughs> I'll touch on that. But like, twenty uh, twenty was was I don't know. For me, it was a yin yin and yang. Yeah, it was good. It was bad. When we started in twenty twenty. Before COVID, we took interns. It was great. And then, like, shout out to companies because uh, our company specifically, uh, we the, those guys put in precautions to make sure that we're safe. So we started working from home. And, yeah, the company slowly adjusted. Like 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 Cash said, like, mm. it's something new to, to, to many companies, specifically ours. But we adjusted to that. The... The one thing that I saw that was surprising, Cash mentioned uh, unem- uh, recruitments and unemployed people getting retrenched. On my side, I manage a money market fund, so the switch that we saw is that people were swapping from bonds and uh, equity funds and bringing them into the my cash. space mm. because people wanted to feel safe. They wanted to secure their cash. Mm. So that's how we saw a, a flip in uh, a, a unemployment, retrenchments, where one fund would actually return people, but in order to save the the asset value, they take that, cash, that money put and it put it into fund. cash. So, so essentially, yeah. our asset under management increased to six billion just in cash, mm. just because of cash. So there was a flip mm. in the curve. I mean, we had we had we had we had a few scares where, unfortunately, we had to return as well on our side, but uh, because I don't, I don't, because cash I don't, you don't replace. No, 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 no. We didn't replace. We mm. just uh, sort of uh, absorbed the work. We just absorbed it mm. because you must remember the cash cash fees are quite low compared mm. to fixed income and bond funds. Because I mean, also yeah, the re, you know the the flip side of of you know um, the Reserve Bank decreasing rates for consumers, it's like yay, you know, um, I get to pay less interest. But in for, your space, <laughs> for us, it's like oh, even for pensioners, you know, for you know? pensioners as well because they want the interest. So it would mm. be like. Uh, but for but but for normal consumers because of COVID, I mean, like we we had to the Reserve Bank had to cut rates. That's why they cut rates by like three percent, three hundred basis points. Uh, we saw inflation also dipping below there. I mean that that was just to boost confidence, you know. But that was twenty twenty on a high level. But twenty 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 one, yes. Uh, I mean, like it's a great year. Some things happened that I didn't expect. Maybe we'll talk about them offline mm. and yeah uh, the company actually grew strong because performance was quite strong in our cash space mm. we managed to we managed to be in the top five we did quite well in the fixed income space mm. uh, hence we are still continue to 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 recruit actually interns mm. but unfortunately we can't retain them but we always try our best to, to, to yeah rotate 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 and put as much experience. skill as possible yeah in 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 the economy so, yeah you know. but what about uh, overall what about returns i mean how did how did how did you guys perform returns wise 
I think I remember when we started the podcast, you used to talk, you know, CPR plus three, mm, mm, um, mm. and you were very proud of those stats. And, <laughs> and, and back then, this was seven eight percent return for for someone that would yeah. put a rent with you. You know, I mean, overall, where where is that right now? You know, when people sort of have cash, um, besides safety, return wise, is you know. Where, no, where are you re- re- return wise, particularly, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on cash. Return wise, we managed to re- retain that CPI plus three theory. Okay. Although it was quite tough, but I mean, like some of the things, you know, as a fund manager, you see them, it's your job to sort of forecast these things mm-hmm. quite earlier. But uh, in terms of cash wise, we, that's a, there's a reason why people swap from uh, fixed income equities to cash mm. at that point in time because they wanted to retain that CPI plus three. And this is like seven percent. That's that's around seven percent. But I you mean, must remember that's a mm. you must look at the since inception value. That's one thing I to educate someone. You don't look at the month to month. You have mm. to look at since inception. Basically, if you put a hundred bucks with me when I started the company in twenty, not when I started, what when the company started in 2010 to now how much are you getting from that 100 uh, 100 bucks are you getting CPI plus three that's how you look at mm. fun fact sheets so yeah so we, we we actually maintained that it was it was although on a month to month the last two months was quite quite difficult because of the yeah i was gonna ask you what underpinned the the, the performance is it is it more of Bonds, what was what underpaid? It's, it's because, it? yeah, bonds rarely. When bonds rarely, uh, I mean, like the change in, in, in the narrative from the mm-hmm. South African Reserve Bank. And one of the things that uh, it's, it's, the, it's, the mo- it's, it's what I'm going to touch in my master's. My master's is on uh, interbank uh, offered rates. So when there are maturities in the bank, so bank spreads tend to widen. So mm-hmm. basically, banks will try and raise money, uh, try and raise capital. You know, by offering higher rates, but whereas the repo is quite low, so they sort of they still incentivize you for yeah. liquidity. Yeah. So if you are if you are if you are long, so if you're locked in rates, like if you bought like fixed stuff, and then when that happens, it underpins your performance. So a lot of us were caught off guard in the okay. market. So yeah. I think that's why cash in general in December, in November, December, Jan, sort of did did mm. did bad because of that. Because uh, uh, you can't really can't really 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 plan for for banks raising capital you know mm. so so that's that's what underpinned the performance in in those kind of months but on a on a longer on a year-to-date basis i mean like cash is still holding quite strong i mean like what we are seeing now is that we're expecting the reserve bank to actually hold rates for for the remainder of 2021 okay. although the qpm might be saying that the qpm is a quarterly projection model that the it's a tool that the reserve bank used to sort of guide them whether to hike rates or not so it's a it's a yeah. it's suggesting they, 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 they're suggesting yeah two hikes yeah. in quarter two and quarter three we think uh we think or i think personally based on my work i think that's too aggressive but i mean like, no they they won't do it because like if you look at growth alone there's growth will increase because of base effects but that's just base effects mm. it's not it's not real growth inflation is not like the qpm is targeting 4.5 inflation alone in 2021 what we're seeing is 4.1 on a year uh, on, on, a, mm. on year on year mm. i mean like inflation is not even the unemployment I mean, we'll touch on that but it's just a high level but we'll touch on that so un- unemployment alone is above uh 20 28 29 percent so mm. close to 30 those are the kind of like, for the youth so yeah nice. and mm. the most important thing like the budget speech hasn't even happened yet so mm. like for the we qpm to to, mm. to price in a 50 a half half a percent hike is quite unwarranted i mean like mm. the model is just just needs to be calibrated in a way i think maybe after the budget speech of which it's not going to be that great Mm. as well should should, yeah. should change i mean we'll uh, see yeah. because obviously the long-term effects are also very difficult yeah, to kind yeah, of guess yeah. because ultimately even with the ban you know internationally um with 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 the variant that's currently here mm. in the country when people announce the bans for south africa you wonder what that means for our exports and, and those type of products so it's not going to be easy and we don't know how the currency is also going to behave however i mean i wanted to touch base high level on these mm. things because ultimately it leads to to property in terms mm. of how it's all going to perform um, for, for people that are either looking or for people that are actually in the property space at the moment. Be- before you, I, before yeah. I like the fact that you said that because yeah. cash actually started from the recruitment space to how money is managed 
to where people are eventually going to do with property mm. and actually quite links yeah, yeah. yeah so so i mean i think high level before we kind of discuss few things high level i think what we saw in that space as well is all time high vacancies mm. um for obvious reasons obviously offices people are working home that's literally the most hit uh, sector of property um we don't know what's going to happen we don't know which offices which which businesses are going back to the office which ones are not so for any investor that's in that space you can only imagine the headache they have yeah cuz you know what i mean they so, don't know what landlords are going to do because yeah. in fact the landlord can't even make the prediction because it's how do you get tenants to come back everything is touch and go correct and especially within the office space like you rightfully mentioned yeah. because that the vacancy rate they shot through the roof because it was yeah. mandated by the government that everyone has to work from home yeah so you, even if you have your tenants who are now working on a two weeks on two weeks off for staff still the occupancy of each building is like very it's minimal yeah it's, it's but isn't 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 that like an opportunity Look it is because we can we can touch base on that. I think mm. high level maybe without discussing the idea itself mm. like the old um the old PwC building in Sunning Hill. I don't know if you guys know it. Yeah yeah. They're yeah, literally yeah. converting the news came out I think early this year they're converting all of it into residential offices. No, residential property rather. Oh wow. You know so all of it thereby you know yeah, and behind and it's close to the, the highway. Yeah. yeah. So brilliant. but but I mean it obviously requires a lot of capital. Mm. We'll speak about where the residential market stands can it absorb that we don't know. But If you are someone in property space you have to find a way to make things happen mm. because you can't sit on there with there with there. However, I wanted to say I mean the effects of vacancies are quite dire because um we also saw like a musical for instance, you know. Um their lease is coming up to an end by the end of April. Musical. And, yeah, musical. And the Clicks CD group, store. Yeah. Does it still exist? And then Clicks group deciding that we they won't be renewing all the leases that are coming to an end. They would rather close the division itself you know what i mean so so it shows you like not just offices are struggling but retail mm. the long term effects are coming down now you know um adcon has has to take lower space mm. um i don't know if you guys have been to cresta but they had this massive space in cresta it was two floors two floors shut down on one floor they're now just operating mm. on one i even sold adcon they i think they closed most of their red square fragrance stores a while even, even before yeah. pandemic and the musical one is actually kind of sad because those have got it's got knock on effects for unemployment correct a lot of businesses but i think they were t- in terms of just the model how they work that went probably the most efficient covid was probably like the final blow in the coffin because like yeah. for musica the digital dsp way of people consuming music had already eroded into how people are no longer going to the actual store mm. to buy physical copies yeah and clicks groups having bought over musica it's now a case of what do they do with one with the staff with that even that business you see now and then they, they, you end up at the stage where they are now yeah and also the difficulties i'm i'm sure there's only a certain point where like landlords can maybe reduce rent to try and make it work they can't reduce it yeah. you know, they, even though we're still seeing a reversion in rentals you know reversion meaning rentals are going backwards you know it's not so significant um and i don't know maybe we can touch a little bit base about that i don't know if if maybe the property sector is actually resilient in the sense of I mean, we haven't seen much drop in rentals and cash you can talk about the property space where you do the management i mean i haven't even also seen massive price drops you know what i mean mm. like you would think a pandemic like this would just mean opportunities to buy 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 <coughs> because prices are going down but it it, it seemingly looks i I, th- i think at the I think moment it looks very resilient i must say I think maybe you need to explain the thing about uh, prices, housing prices falling. Who's the market? I think maybe people still don't understand that that what what causes uh, housing prices to actually fall. Because one of the things that we we had to do, we had to to remember last year, we had to tell people that okay, fine, interest rates are going down, but that does not mean the price of the house is also going down. It's just the facility that's Correct. going your down. Your costs, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, your, yeah, your costs are going down. So, I mean, ultimately what, what happens is, what, what, what you see is when, when things are bad, people losing, people losing employment, vacancies go high. Mm. So for, for anyone that's a landlord uh, where you see a block of flats, I mean you'll just see lots of empty places and what that means is they have to drop rentals to try and incentivize mm. someone to move in. So mm. that's what that means. From a housing perspective it would mean um if someone is trying to sell a house and they're not selling it because they maybe lost their job or whatever the case, they may drop the price as well of selling that mm. house so that they can either settle the bank 
um, or they can maybe realize some equity that is in the property to use in their lives because if you were really impacted you'd have to sell your assets to try and make some income so that's what we see but i think i mean we're still seeing a lot of price drops it's just that it's not as as massive as one would expect and then obviously it also affects different sectors obviously the higher end you know like your expensive houses mm. that space is bleeding but that's like 1% 2% of the country but who who i think i think what people would more. appreciate more is that who is the market maker in these things Look, That's I mean, it's, people, a, it's a, yeah. ultimately it is a willing buyer, willing seller. Exactly, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It's a willing buyer, willing seller. So whoever that wants to buy, um, will buy. What I do find interesting though is maybe for someone to maybe have a look. If you are in the market to buy a property, the newer developments, those prices won't go down because mm. those guys are building at current costs and the costs are going up. Do you know what I mean? Um, the costs of just building a house are going up because of you know where things are currently um the rates might be lower but it doesn't mean everything else is cheaper if you mm. look at how our country is set up at the moment um steel prices was also sort of you know going up um and then cash i don't know you have a client that still yeah. wants to build this year you know um, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm share that but story. like yeah. you when you see some of those so I'm, I'm just thinking high level if you really want to buy from a new development don't anticipate too much price drops where you might see it cheaper you it's actually buying existing houses you know um where it's already there it's a it's a, it's a secondary um you, you'll be like a secondary owner of the house uh and then obviously that attracts a certain level of you know vet um or tax rather in terms of transfer duty but if you're still buying below a million you should still not pay anything so that should be mm. fine um and then we'll also see what the budget speech what the what the what the guys say but i anticipate you know we, we've sort of been warned about um tax increases and i'm i'm i'm, I'm hoping not but we might actually see something mm. in, in the property space the transfer duties those type of taxes increasing there as well because when an economy is like this that's when you see a lot of activity and looks like our government because of under collection they are looking of ways to make money and you never know how it might just, just before cash cash everyone. goes in that being said that should drive people into new developments because that makes sense because like i don't want to but the price is not cheaper but it's not cheap but if yeah. you want to save on on like the facility makes sense interest rates are low like you're not paying uh what are the one of course right uh, yeah but i mean if i were to buy a house for like 1.1 million yeah. um and i'd pay i'd pay the transfer duty above a million it's yeah. 100,000 or now I must buy a new development that's 1.1 but the older one is let's say it's 100 squares you know it's three bedroom mm. three bathrooms whereas mm. the newer one is less it's maybe 80 squares you know three bedroom two bathroom you know so when i look at like that value for money for me comes into you know maybe buy buy the, the, the unfortunate thing about pay, new pay, development pay, is pay, that pay. there's no negotiating yeah, but pay, yeah pay, pay the tax yeah. but it might be a better you know there's no right or wrong ultimately because mm. it, it all depends on one sort of you know um, appetite but yeah, I, I, mean, i i think newer houses or newer developments the upside has always been you the first one to to move in mm. there's no transfer duty but if your prices are not going down at at Yeah, I think that that's probably a good place to start yeah. with the property developers because overall you're right there was there was actually a resilience in the property market. I think the assumption was with what happened with the pandemic that there would be a drop in everything. Mm. With vacancy going up, landlords obviously feeling the strain, people thought okay, not if you're liquid this might be the time where the property most developments even if they struggled for buyers the they still the, held on. They still held on, mm. which mm. for them was which, which I think for that section of that side it was good. You know, I think for those probably looking for a bargain, what I what I personally saw is because what you're saying is right. With the cost, the cost stay the same. There's things like steel in any cost of building. Mm. If it stays, if it stays the same, if it goes up, there's going to be no trickle down effect for the mm. price of the of these developments. Even if the interest rate, even if, if consumers can get a a better rate at the bank on a bond, mm. it doesn't translate with the with the with the property. There's no saving there. Mm. So for them, they probably kept it at that. I think what they were probably trying to do listen to a few people's find creative ways to get people to buy and to get more occupancy but the price was not going to shift mm-hmm. you know and that was across uh, it's it's slowly shifting yeah, not, it's, yeah uh, it's, it's slowly shifting but definitely not what people were expecting i think mm. the pandemic at this thing where i think there's there was almost like people thought people, everything was going to be in leaps and bounds but it wasn't the case i think 
the stability was had had bad benefits in fact that because sometimes in certain markets you don't want too many fluctuations fluctuations in anything they bring instability mm-hmm. and also unpredictability comes with that so with the developers that didn't happen and then what we saw on the tenant side look people losing their jobs retrenchments i think we've always known that with landlords there's always been the predicament of you just can't get rid of people you see now so i think mm-hmm. what i saw in the management space is people had to get really creative without speaking to the to their tenants in terms of what do you do rent deferred for people already there you know because it's it's strange it's it, it's case by case but what i did see was people saying listen how do i accommodate my tenants you know mm. I, i'm with managing properties i'm sitting on quite a few trustees you speak to owners you speak to people on boards and they're telling you that look what they did was just negotiate you know because you don't want to be also it's, it's also the human element of it with yeah, yeah you don't just keep pe- it's a pandemic you don't have people have got families everyone's got commitments whatever reprieve you can help that person it, it it makes a difference if someone manages to get a payment holiday from the bank and then you as the landlord also give them some form of reprieve then you also have like a good relationship in terms of that person of how you manage that property because mm-hmm. outright has always been the challenge even if okay, you have a case where someone doesn't pay we all know the legal process of getting rid of that tenant in normal circumstances is a long process now what more with and currently you're not allowed to yeah, you, you've never been allowed to according to, to disaster to, to, management yeah, disaster, you can't not allowed to you, actually you can't evict a tenant. evict a tenant so what happens now when i need to pay the bank as well and i'm not getting money from I mean, you. you 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 stick it out you stick it out that's you see already then in the, under the, the rates are cut to try and help you, you yeah they've, <laughs> they've tried to see but is that what you tell the bank <laughs> the bank see, wants look, the money bro. yeah look it's it's, it's like you're right it's, it is a catch-22 because mm. We understand. I think overall, South Africa's history with the properties in the properties where I think they try to move from where tenants used to be on the used to get the short end of the stick. I'm talking probably pre-apartheid, mm. apartheid where they so there was redress with that where you can't just up and kick someone to have the electricity yeah. and those kind of things. So now you add in there, you have to show that you follow due process with a problematic tenant. You know that you covered all angles and gave them enough time to be able to move out. So factor in COVID. I think what I actually do appreciate what the government did because you have to look out for the citizens because overall look at the country in general some people are unscrupulous they could have used the pandemic just to as a way to just get rid of maybe problematic tenants just that's, that's an extreme case but also like Mazza, to your point about what happens with the the landlord with the bank mm. there were payment holidays but mm. ultimately after that was done you have to absorb that obviously as a owner you don't want to do that but mm. you what I do like about what the one positive that came out within the property space is people are normally rigid with these things. I'm a landlord, I'm a tenant. But what the what the pandemic did, it forced people to think outside the box and find solutions that will help both sides. Mm-hmm. You see now, and you might, hopefully we get like remnants of that when things go back to normal, whenever that is. Because some of these things, people act like they're cast in stone. Vacancies went up. And one thing I'm seeing now is a lot of people sat with residential property last year people mm. i manage clients people i speak to mm. where they could not get any takers where people reduced more than once the rental and still properties are standing vacant mm. so that was the one option i also <laughs> suffered with that right? mm. exactly i, I think I we all cut, <laughs> cut the rent because it's not a case of do i get nothing and it's also something i try to advise owners but sometimes people they stick to their guns and they rather have it vacant yeah. and with that do you want to if, if a property is bonded you need to be flexible do you want to have levies you want to have yeah. the bond the cost maybe, you're maybe, not getting anything. Yeah, maybe let's chat a little bit about that so so i mean what what you do generally as well so and i think we, we tried to discuss this when we when we went to speak to defo from iAfrican media mm. sometime last year at the beginning of the pandemic um a good thing to do is if you whether you're a landlord or you actually a homeowner yourself you know um one of the good things you can do is when when you have a whenever crisis you actually have to approach everyone so mm. if you own a sectional title you approach the bank you tell them the issue if you have already paid your property let's say for five years um, or a couple of years you can restructure that loan and maybe reset the term mm. so that your repayments can go lower um, you might end up paying too much interest in the long run but you don't get to lose your asset perhaps so i think a lot of us don't don't realize that financial institutions are there to speak to you Mm. You know, if you have an issue, approach them, talk to them, and then you can restructure facilities. You can you can maybe you know reset terms so that your loan repayments go lower. When things are fine, you can increase it again. 
or maybe if you can afford to pay interest only you can also approach them to say look i can't pay the full installment but i can pay a certain amount so that's something else and then also from from the other flip side you know the 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 body corporates levies and those type of things if you approach everyone where you are really really affected hard and you communicate with them and you show them this is the plan and i've got three months to look for a job and if it doesn't work out i'm still trying this and that you gotta find a way to communicate mm. with quote-unquote creditors in your life to help you how do we think atcon is surviving for so long it's because it's bringing everyone to the party you know I, I so, so so can, can I, I think the one thing that most consumers uh, i mean like we spoke about this remember like where we had a conversation about private clients and normal clients. Like access to information. Yes, it is easy. Let's go and talk to the bank. But a normal person who's not a private client would ask themselves, how? Where do I go? The same way. I mean, yeah, look, you if you, for me, if you already have a house, you already know where to find the bank. You mm-hmm. already have a bonded house. Like exactly. But sure. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so my point is, you if you have to go to the branch, you go to the branch. You know, If you have mm-hmm. to, you get a statement, it's got a number at the bottom. You know, if you have to go speak to a different manager... Or, uh, oh, so I'm talking about... So for me, it was convenience. So, okay, like yeah. access to information is there. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying mm. approach people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's sure, you can say is it easy or not, but approach people. Okay, here's my point. Need. Like, who's going to negotiate? Because like for private lands, they've got a bank who's going to negotiate. No, them. I mean, there, there's yeah. NCA rules that govern, yeah. you know. You know, if you, if you don't pay your installment for three months you're in default. The the guys are in a position where they have to hand you over mm. and what that means they'll hand you over, then they'll start the process where to you know, lawyers are knocking and if you don't catch up with all your three months installments, they attach your property, it goes to the sheriff, they sell it at an auction. Um we will speak to these guys down the line, you know. Mm. I, I think that's one conversation I think we should have speak mm. to the auctioneers. Maybe also speak to the sheriffs. Mm. Um because some of the things we saw is like when you know when you, when you owe a bank a certain amount of money, when they go sell it, they can't actually go and sell it for the market value. Yep. You know because you don't owe that much. They try and sell just to recoup their loan. So my 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 my, my statement is to say don't wait for the three months. Mm. You know mm. it's it's probably uncomfortable to actually like to sell your, it requires you to sell your pride and go and say I am struggling. I have lost my job. Mm. You know, or or my my husband lost his job, or my wife. Now I'm taking care of everyone. So the ability to restructure, given your circumstances, is not bad. You have to come out, speak to people. They will help you. They are obliged to help you. Do you do yeah, the thing it? the thing I think Mazi, you mentioned about info. Even if you don't have info, like Teaser's rightfully saying, uh, as someone who has experience in debt collection, the the key mistake people make across the board is they wait until like the 11th hour yeah. mm. when the debt collector is mm. at your gate, when yeah. they're about to repossess the asset, whether it's a movable, movable asset. Because what you do realize is even if you don't have a private banker, like she's saying, right, just go to the branch. Most people don't know that if you speak to the first person you speak to, if you're maybe not really happy with this, you have a right to speak to the branch to manager, else, to yeah. someone else. Yeah. And it's just following that process because even without the info, it's just simply to tell your story. And the other thing is, if it's with your, if your facility is with your bank, they've got access to your statements. Mm. They can see that, look, normally you earn this much mm. and rightfully so. No, they can corroborate tough, yeah. what you're saying that, look, mm. you've, you've, your finances have taken a hit. Mm. You know, they can see that, they can check that obviously this is how much you're earning. Because what that happens is once the process is in motion, for you then to not go there and reverse, it becomes difficult because the the structures, there's timelines with this, like it was mentioned that once you've been handed over, you post the 90-day period. There's a set system. And once you're at that stage and there's lawyers and the sheriffs involved, for them to reverse it, it becomes difficult. But if and you're expensive. And mm. expensive. And then already you already have penalties and interests depending on the mm. facility owed. But because this was applies even pre-COVID, mm. because it's something that's always been. I know we'd like to speak to and advising people with financial education, but that's always the first thing. Because oddly enough, sometimes some people, when they fall behind, even debt collectors, even internal people who accounts departments will call you, ask you about the facility. Don't be the person who's aggressive, like just saying swallow your pride. Just say, listen, I've fallen on a bit of. Because sometimes it's just cash flow problems. Mm, mm. To say, can I defer? Can I at least pay the interest? Mm. You mm. know. If I, even within a property, I'm behind on levies, can I at least pay the lights and water this month and whatever I can on top to offset the levies? Because what I'm seeing a lot of body corporates are doing is 
especially the ones where the book is really bad. And last year we saw an escalation in some of the debts. Is they've proactively, as board of trustees, they've approached owners and communicated to say, listen, as best as we can, we're going to keep levies the same. Because we understand some of you are taking a hit. We can see in the lack of rental payments. Information is there for all parties involved. So I like the Edcon example of saying, always have everyone involved in the process. Mm-hmm. But as an individual, the onus is on you. Because ultimately, unfortunately, the way that things are structured, the financiers are in business. They are in business, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see now, so, and because they've got a big client base, they can never anticipate your situation. You have to go and tell your story. Mm. and be proactive and they will help you as best as they can because what you want is ultimately you want to do whatever you can to not lose the asset because if for me that's the ultimate thing because yeah. you know like and and we'll talk about it gents when you when you speak to the sheriffs and auctioneers and, and that process because i i don't think it's fair that you you bought a house for a million rand you owe the bank two hundred thousand, and then now you lose your payments and then the house is going to get sold for two hundred thousand. You know what I mean, yeah, and yeah. and 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 that happened because you you firstly don't have information, secondly you you have ego, you don't know what to do, and I know it's a lot, but I, that's why I want us to have these conversations on the podcast so that people can realize that, sure, you know, sometimes if if you're the one that's actually you actually have a chance to go sell your house within the three months, mm. you list your own house by yourself to say, okay, you know what, I don't want to lose my house, but maybe let me list it. And then you can sell it for eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand. You pay the bank their two hundred. Mm. Now you've got another seven hundred. You can actually now buy a cheaper house, you know. Um, and then maybe even down the line, we can we can also talk about renting mm. because we're seeing the stigma around rentals. You know, rentals it's bad. You, you people are renting. You know, I I think sometimes we lose sight of what's actually the important parts of mm. it, mm. and sometimes the system does. Mm. You know, but if one thing I've also seen with um. With, with, with the situation we are in, we are in a position where we can amend the law, we can amend systems. Because sometimes things they are how they are because of past, you know. Actually, actually, yeah, they, they were always comfortable. But I think if if we all kind of try and move and approach situations differently, we can ultimately lead to changes in systems. There isn't a reason why, if you are behind on your fees and they don't involve you to make sure that you actually sell your house at market value, I you know. I'm yet to find out all this information, but can, can, can I, I find can, it Can I actually there. say, actually, let's dig into it a bit, a bit, the renting yeah. part. Yeah. Like, people, there's a stigma about renting. People sort of assume that, I, I don't know if it's a class thing or whatever, but, like, people sort of assume that buying a house is much safer than renting Routing. to buy a house that you can actually <laughs> afford. Because you can imagine, like, most of the people who are defaulting are people who are not ready yeah. to buy a house because right. they just didn't want to... Rent. They just have a stigma. Like I'm not gonna pay like seven thousand. I could have. There's. A, I saw a tweet earlier you today yes. <laughs> that uh, you're paying seven thousand, whatever, for five years. You could have had like five hundred thousand, whatever. Those are the people who are actually defaulting. Can we actually actually touch on that? Because I had a topic. I actually had a conversation like that in the hood of the gents and people yeah. were like, nah, man, you need to buy. And these are the people still living at home. Yeah. I think real quick, on my side, what I've seen with that stigma, that stigma is a bit misguided mm. because people need to look at their own situation and their own finances yeah, yeah. and be guided by that because I don't believe a lot of information is out there, social on social media, even also with the people on like traditional media platforms. But the problem is blanket statements without looking at your own situation and then being applied are dangerous because What's one situ- what what the situation for one person is not applicable to you yeah, yeah. because there are people who renting is beneficial for them. They look mm-hmm. at their level of income, how far along in their career are they, mm-hmm. and what's their long term play with their or plan, even whether it's career or financial plan. Mm-hmm. What are they aiming to do? So if some because for people, the people you rightfully mentioned might as well are now defaulting is it might be too much too soon. Mm-hmm. You go into the buying and your finances are just enough for you to be able to buy that property. And then what then happens is any slight change in the market, the interest rates, or your personal situation, and then you end up not being able to afford that property or you default. Whereas you might find had you not had you deferred purchasing your first property for the first couple of years based on your finances. Mm-hmm. If you always base everything on your financial calculations and you don't need to always tell people a simple Excel spreadsheet will suffice. You don't have to be a financial a guru. Yeah, you, it starts you know, with the Excel. You, you, it starts it starts with Excel because you know exactly how much you've got coming in every month. If you're a couple mm-hmm. draw income, you guys will know your spread, you know your commitments from home if you're supporting other people. And then you can make a decision to say, okay, look, if we're gonna purchase a property, do we we can do it now, but what's the strain? Are we at a stage where if one person loses their job or they mm. take a pay cut, 
the it becomes like a house of cards. It all comes down. Yeah. Or do we have the kind of savings that will buffer us for that house? You know, because it comes sometimes it might be too much too soon. And then the people will say, look, we want to rent because we want maybe to release more funds for other plans. Do I want to buy a stand? Do I do whatever I want to do? So the stigma with renting is misguided because it's it's applied across ever. Like a like renting is a bad thing forever. Like it's a blanket statement, but. Look at your situation. Also, look at what your plans are. Mm. Then, with that, that should be your guidance to say because even though it says you're throwing away money if you're giving, if you're renting, mm. it, you're giving it to someone. <laughs> you could have, you, and also, okay, here's the thing: Do I want a? a there is the element of classes that miser made. Yeah. Because some people might think, okay, I would rather rent in a nice area in the north than own. In a mid-range. in in a or cosmo whatever, or yeah. whatever you know but yeah, but 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 maybe let's let's track back a bit yeah. i mean if you look at a country like south africa where um south africans don't own land um mm. what happens is when our parents pass away we have nothing left for our kids you know we we are, we are a society that doesn't sort of plan for generational wealth and we have a society that's that's slightly i don't i don't, I don't want people to attack us wait, but yeah. slightly means uh, yeah wait guided, but yeah. but also like we also attach value to land so for mm-hmm. instance um we we bury people in our land you know if you if you look at certain areas kzn eastern cape that's where you bury people you know in in your yards and those type of things so so when for me when i see someone that really wants to own you like you said, cash. You'd have to look at each situation mm. individually, but what I'm saying is we have an emotional need to own property. So for me, if you understand that, then you can understand why there's a there's a stigma that just pushes everyone to owning. Yes, you know, because firstly, we don't own a lot of land in the mm. country. You know, whether it's traditional or not, we don't own a lot of you know commercial land because we, we, we yeah. don't participate mm. in that space so the need for it is not bad to rent you know the, or to own it's not bad it's just that we shouldn't shame mm. those mm. that rent because exactly. you don't know what story they are doing exactly. can i can i can i can i say this yeah. can i say so the reason why i mentioned that so because somebody asked me like why do you guys always talk about an economic forecast interest rates the reason why we are talking about interest rates is that i mean like the very same people who are shaming uh rentals or renters are the people who are saying interest rates are low it's time to buy i mean like nobody's saying nobody's forecasting like i I had the same conversation with my girlfriend like okay fine we want to buy a house let's buy a house at maybe prime plus three let's say now prime plus three factor in those interest rates that are coming can we afford that house why Mm. don't we do that so do Mm. you see now we can't afford the house because now we have to save so that i think that's our stressing on information. A lot of people don't have information. People mm. are still less. The people going around now on Twitter or whatever saying interest rates are low. It's time to buy houses. I mean, yeah, that's no, a, that's, a, no. that's a lot that's of a, Asians. Yeah, because yeah. I think yeah, yeah. that's the thing with social media and the the, yeah. the times we live in. I think there's a lot of what I call pseudo experts where yeah. they run with narratives based on what one person might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's an expert who says it, or it could be an expert who does say who's in the know who say interest rates are low. And it's time to buy, but that's we all know that situation is not going to last forever. Mm. Over and above, coming back to the point I still made, like if you look at your finances, if the interest is, is low now, is your affordability? If your affordability is only good for within this interim, and then when you the rates, you then really your affordability is not on point because when the rates do increase or when things do normalize, mm. then you take strain, and then sometimes then you then see a bit of an increase in the default rate. Mm. So that's where you need like. The information on and sometimes the information does you don't have to become a, a property economist or financial mm. expert overnight i keep circling back to if you look at your own situation reach out to your banker if you already mm. have a facility if you want to get into it a phone call a meeting and i believe in the path networks i believe even most people if you ask hard enough someone who was referred to someone who can give you this information or where to find it because your planning then now becomes okay if i'm a first time buyer especially or if i'm looking to get a second property if i've just paid off another one is now the time to do it and then all those things you can get the info and then guide your decision based on that because a lot of stuff is knee-jerk reactions mm, and mm. it backfires and overall properties are it's a long-term play the, do, as, as do you know as what i noticed do you know what i noticed from the stigmatiers if we can call them that like nobody ever really factors in the rates and taxes and the levies and those things you can negotiate Said. <laughs> like nobody ever like the other time I had, like we had a conversation and 
And then someone was like, yo, the one of cross are like 100,000 rands. Like, shucks, I don't have money for that. But I can afford the house. Like, but you don't have money for that. I mean, like, then you can't afford the house. <laughs> then you can't afford it. <laughs> like, you can't afford yeah, it. But, now you, but now you're like, you're, you're stigmatizing me who's saying like, I'm trying to save for that. Yeah. I can't afford the house, yes. I can go and apply and afford the house. But like, dude, I need that. 200k one of fee exactly yeah. the, the transfer yeah. cost i think so enough, people yeah. need to really look affordability in terms of all costs and line items involved in the mm. purchase of a property because if you look at affordability like a car is a good example if you can afford it if your finances say you can afford this high-end vehicle but then when you start getting quotations for insurance and then you can't afford the insurance you can't afford the car then you yeah. can't afford the car because we've seen sad cases where people they purchase the car they get insurance because you need on the first month to cancel the insurance. You have a, you have an accident. You have no cover, and then you're now paying off an asset which you don't even own anymore. So it means that from the get go, the affordability calculation was not done correctly. And I I like Tisa made a very good point because it's always good to be cognizant of the history and why people attach certain how that stigma comes about. Because for some people, it's it's a redress issue. But mm. what I would like to say on that is, and rightfully so, people want ownership because a lot of these properties that people own irrespective of where they are but as black people they don't own the land that the property mm. sits on mm. you see now 99 leases that's another debate that's mm. going on another discussion yeah, for another yeah, day yeah. but i think for people who attract strong value in ownership i just want to say there's no it's there's nothing wrong with it deferring the dream the dream deferred mm. exactly mm. Or, or, buying, or buying within your means you yes know? Mm. like like you were saying mm. if 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 you don't want to stay in in North Riding, and in your your alternative is to there's nothing wrong with it. Yes, there's nothing you know wrong. I mean? There's nothing there's, wrong with yeah. degrade with downgrading. Even yes, yes, like literally. That's what I'm saying. I I I think part of the education that we need to do is the ego. Is is what will people say? What will people mm. think? You know. So those things don't matter ultimately, especially if you now get to work from home. If you now get to do so many things, you might as well stay where you are comfortable. Even if it's for first few years, you know, and then you can change your location, you know, at a later stage. At a later stage, especially. That's okay. Tisa, you really touched on a big point: is if, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna, if we're as we're thinking creating generational wealth and assets, I always believe there always has to be that sacrificial decision by the people who are getting the process started to say, look, mm. there's nothing wrong with me going to stay in the east because there are a lot of nice houses. It's not as you can get more value for money with what you're gonna pay. It's not as even slightly less. Do I force matters and stay in a two-bed apartment, couple square meters in Danefern, or have a house with a yard in a Kuruleni hmm. and know? pay less and have more, if whatever savings and, I have, and pay it shorter than twenty years potentially. Exactly, and you're not even spending on transport because you're not going anywhere. You're working from home. <laughs> you're working from home. <laughs> it's exactly. a new norm. Because you know? even if it's with, even if it's for your decision, it, it is, there's always going to be a later stage where you can always you defer whatever the plan was you at some point you can always stay in that nice suburb that you want to stay mm. but from the interim especially if you have long play goals in the property space that you, the things you want assets you want to leave for family and children the income you free up by starting and purchasing in those so-called areas that maybe people may look down upon mm. put aside the classes and ignore the ego what what mm. will people say it's the long-term play and you, you work it like that and you absolutely lose nothing because the benefit offsets any of these things, the benefit of paying a, le- a, a lesser bond, Tisa, I was saying you mm. paid off in a shorter period. Once you paid off the first asset, working in a bank with a paid-off asset, that's in your name and then you know, the conversation is totally different. Totally different. And, and people, and yeah, can I just say this, like just, yeah, so that we can, yeah, wrap up. Yeah, 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 I mean like, uh, people should leave people alone. If somebody wants to enter the property <laughs> market and they want to buy an apartment first, yeah. like just leave that person alone. At least he did something, you know, because you'll get somebody who bought an apartment and then somebody comes, ah, why don't you buy a house? Yeah. I mean, no, like, I mean, I, yeah, to you're each right. his own basically. You're right, you're right. I, I think, I think for me, I, when I see a situation like that, I look at it two ways, right? Because there's no right or wrong ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what people must realize. So if you rent first because you're going to be renting closer to work or whatever, that's your decision to make and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you also decide, instead of renting, let me rent a buy in an area that's a bit further, but I at least get to own the property and then I'll pay mm-hmm. transport is also fine. So what people realize, what people don't want to realize is you're actually having two different conversations. We want to make them one. Mm. Yes. So you, I'm renting for my reasons. You don't know why I'm renting. But if you choose not to rent, 
and you want to own from the get go there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. as long as you actually buy within you know your 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 affordability mm-hmm. range and then you make a decision that's um informed well educated and then you don't you know there's literally nothing wrong with it you know whether you do it either way i don't think it's it's anything wrong you're right leave them alone but let's also not put a stigma in someone saying buy first Mm. You know, if you don't want to rent from the get go, that's also it's not a mm. bad decision. It's also I, the, I, the got, learning curve. Yeah, I've got friends that started buying property when I started working when I was twenty one. Mm. You know, um, mm. and 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 unfortunately, you know, maybe some of them they went black. You know, but you know, I had to deal with whatever I had to deal with. You know, buying my first car, mm. sending money home, black tax, etc. And then they have all the income and it's like, well, let me just buy a flat and I'll rent it out. Mm. And mm. the earlier, the better. If we're talking property, the earlier, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. so in principle, there's nothing wrong with it except that you're using that to, to try and shame someone else. Yeah. You yeah, shouldn't be shaming. It's, it's yeah. the shaming you know? part. Plus yeah. also, I was going to add on top of that, maybe mm-hmm. on last point, last bit on this is that for people who are going to take whatever option, no right or wrong, even if they get it wrong, let people pay their school fees. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing because yeah. we all the people that you may look up to in any space, in any endeavor, at some point, they got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. We all do. We all do. At some point. At some point. And I think the lessons you learn from where, and some of the lessons may not be ca- catastrophic because if you think of someone who has a desire to be in the property space, if they at some point almost lost a property or they did, the lessons they learn are invaluable. Mm. And mm. they will now make informed decisions. in Because sometimes, it's like with kids, the, the lessons that really stick are the ones where you might get your fingers burned sometimes. You pay off your school fees. And then you always make informed decisions based on past experience. Mm. So it's not for people to name and shame, I mean, to shame a process because you don't know the, the lifestyle that that person has, especially when mm. investments and mm. career plans. And everyone has got their own responsibility. Everyone's got their own story based on what they're trying to do. You see now, and I really do like the fact that, especially if we put the holistic picture of black people and ownership in this country, redress. If you have your own plan, and also you have to look at people at the low, at a very lower level, you know, mm. who are trying to enter this space. Mm. A lot of people are first-time buyers for. Who, that's why people attach a lot of value to building a property back home for their mother, because mm. mm. you're the first person out of that family who's going into property ownership. You mm. see now, so your decisions are very different. For so for someone to shame and say, why did you? not buy a car or buy in this area and that person said no in eastern cape where i come from we own the land so the very first thing i did was i want to build on that land mm, mm. and you know and then once i've got that box ticked then i can think beyond that you know so mm. you know i think give everyone the space to do their own their own plans for their own lives you know i think so too like man. Tisa yeah. would say man everybody has to put in their 10 years eh? but yeah thanks gentlemen i think i mean like i said so this is just a general overview for us to kind of catch up i think we have a lot of topics to cover for Mm. for for the rest of the year um notably just so that we can maybe put it out there to guys it's gonna be the the auctions i really want to talk to to that to to that process i want to talk to the sheriffs and the bank sales and on defaults Mm -hmm. i want to really understand that because Mm -hmm. i think especially when in an economy where people are being affected, we need to ensure that the information is out there, that people don't get screwed or or maybe because of they don't have information and the worst happens in their lives. So that's one of the things I want to talk about. Um, uh, I think I also want to talk to to developers, man. I just want to see, mm-hmm. like we're discussing now, if prices are not going down, why, why are you still building? So maybe let's chat to those guys and mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. what returns are they making if, you know, um, you could just give your money to optimizer and then you'll get you know um, mm. inflation plus three <laughs> you never know so um and then to all the listeners if you really want to have a specific topic that you want to discuss um just hit us up on all our social media platforms we're going to be talking almost every month now going forward for the rest of the year mm. so if you have any questions um yeah just hit us up and then we'll we'll try and cover some of those topics uh and then if you need us to refer you to certain people we'll also be in a position to do where we, if we where we can we will try where we can't we'll obviously just and we're not financial advisors of course yeah, you know yeah. um but ideally it's just about information if you really need information we can we can help where we can um yeah on that note thank you so much gentlemen ah, cheers um, cheers yeah, we look forward to 2021 cheers no cheers <laughs>